Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, crank your 80s pop and give your shirt a quick crop, because this definitely wasn't a flop about some flyboys on a flat top. That's right, we're talking Top Gun. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined, as always, by Andrew Knuckles. Hello there. And Joel Killingsworth. General Kenobi. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) That was not coordinated, unless they texted each other while I wasn't watching. And that was the Star Wars reference of the episode. Yep, there we go. So we're done. We've we've met quota. (laughs) Don't have to do it anymore. It's okay. Nothing here compares disfavorably to Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) So. I'm not sure what that meant. I'm which not direction sure that went. I don't know which way that's supposed to go, actually. <laughs> Moving forward. Top Gun Maverick is... Soon? Soon on the horizon. I realized I didn't know how we were going to drop these. I've just well, determined how these episodes are going to be released. Well, I mean, <laughs> so Top Gun is going to release the same day as Maverick. So when you're hearing this, it's already out. When, um, but when will soon be? <laughs> Memorial Day. Then. Anyways. So... so after or basically when you were listening to this wait a minute you mean this isn't live no this is this is recorded in the when, past when will then be now <laughs> yes Y'all are oh okay all right well there yes we go. but it will be past I learned memorial day today which is not today i learned top gun maverick will be out by the time you listen to this <laughs> right but we we would, ha- would have seen it but we are not going to say anything because we actually haven't seen it yet but we will have seen it. This is getting really and meta. So, Y'all both and so stop. when you listen to this episode, we will have knowledge you don't have, but which we don't have currently at the time that we're recording this episode that you will be listening to. So the us that is talking to you has less knowledge than the us that will be at the time that you listen to us. That is correct. My head hurts. home now? But yes, so Top Gun Maverick is finally going to be released sometime soon, if after, not already. After being delayed for multiple times. And then moved up after being delayed. Yeah, it yes, was, yeah. Pushed forward. Whatever. Anyways, that happened. So on that note, we decided to go back to 1986. Correct. And take a look at Top Gun. Yep. A, a, a true aviation action classic. Yes, it is. All of those of, words do apply. Do apply. A pinnacle of 80s film. And not and, from a critical perspective. Though. Well, no, well, <laughs> we're going to get there, but that is not the time for this. Well, I'm, I'm not referring to our critical review. I'm referring to just the consensus critical review wasn't great <laughs> in 1986. The audience reaction, though, was, was well, Yeah, it was totally very, different. Yeah. Very high, yes. But before we jump into Top Gun, we figured we would have a little chat about, uh, we're going to call this Top Gun by another name. So basically, other pieces of media, be it film, show, book, that is very similar to Top Gun. So the parts we like, the aerial combat. Well, aerial combat. Uh, cocky pilots, radical action. Yeah, yeah, I'm setting yeah. you up for that one. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like you, aerial dogfighting is is, but with jets. Yeah, yes, yeah, or or jet equivalent. 
is is kind of where we're going because there are some some choices for this that are not jets specifically jets. Yeah, yeah, on that note, Andrew, you go first. Sure. Uh, so, okay, it's been a really, really long time since I've seen this. I don't have the best synopsis, so I'm just going to kind of like read one. Okay. Um, I chose SWAT cats, the, the radical, radical squadron, squadron of one jet. So, so when did this come out? 1993. 93. Uh, it's a Hanna Barbera cartoon, and clearly they so they took the um uh the main um jet that they that they fly in the show and they they modeled it after an f-14 mm-hmm. but it has three engines it's black it's orange has some tiger stripes on it and it is flown by two anthropomorphic cats um that is uh, razor and t-bone oh all right razor is the rio so he is the um the radars uh, the radar um interface operator intercept intercept officer there it is um and uh, then you have t-bone who is the pilot and they basically just fight crime um, <laughs> in a jet, <laughs> but but it's like supernatural um, yeah. kind of thing. So like they're they're in the uh, Mega Cat City, which is just New York, mm-hmm. and they made out of anthropomorphic characters. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Everybody's and, cat. And this is actually a multiverse. So there's a, there's a parallel dimension that has um, basically the the Bizarro version of all of them. Okay. The dark cat. Yeah, the dark cat. And they they come over into Mega Cat City, the normal normal universe, and they all have to uh, fight. And basically, everything in the show can be solved by flying a jet really fast and looking really cool while doing. Yes, it. Yeah. fingerless gloves are an important accessory. <laughs> they they really are. <laughs> they really are. Uh, and um, I mean, it it was just like the quintessential '90s like bombastic cartoon that kind of comes out like the the opening theme is just like you know heavy shredding on guitars mm-hmm. yeah and um it just, i mean it's just it's just exactly what you would expect out of something that was based essentially off of top gun yeah, yeah i mean pretty much imagine if you had batman's uh gallery of of rogues and villains uh-huh. except you fought them with a jet <laughs> and just, that's basically the show and it also has a motorcycle that drops out of the jet yeah yeah oh uh, man yeah the, the, i like, love i love dropping in a motorcycle onto hard concrete going mach 3 going <laughs> i mean you know when you're fighting a wizard you got to make things happen or godzilla yeah uh but yeah so i think hbo has the hanna barbera library if i'm not mistaken i think that's right it's either hbo or hulu uh while while I you guys do something i'll check to see if i can if there's actually a spot that you can watch swat cats if you've never seen it yeah it's i i remember watching it when it was you know on t- when it was first released oh no that was a long time ago <laughs> uh, i mean i remember it when it was first it was released. so yeah. cool especially yeah. as someone who was obsessed with you know f14 and oh yeah Ugh. and you get you get two seasons so there's um it's like 26 total episodes and then it got canceled mm-hmm. um yeah. for various reasons or whatever Unfortunately, I don't think there was a lot of toys for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't remember any toys. I, I believe there was maybe one of the Turbo Cat. Yeah, but there's, that's, there's probably one of the Jet. And that was yeah. I mean, if it had a successful merchandising line, it probably wouldn't have gotten canceled. Have gotten canceled. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's funny how that works. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so you guys uh, pick it up. I'll figure it out. I'm going to pick it up next because I right. can't remember what Joel's option was. I'm just going to go for it. So I'm going to throw down... A, a little slice of the, oh, you know what? Y'all said Star Wars quota achieved and you were wrong <laughs> because I'm talking extended universe Star Wars, the X-Wing series of books. It's legends now, oh, Stephen. Whatever. Shut up, Disney. <laughs> <sighs> but this follows Rogue Squadron, 
led by Wedge Antilles and several other characters who, if you uh, have ever played the miniatures games, names you'll be familiar with and also slightly disappointed about the fact that they were not in X-Wings. <laughs> uh, people like Corrin Horn yep. and uh, Tycho. Uh, and also a little later in the series, you get Wes Jansen and Derek Hobby, who people may or may not remember for their half a second appearances in uh, Empire Strikes Back during the defense of Hoth. Hobby actually makes an appearance in a uh, Rebels episode. Oh, that's cool. He does. Yeah. And, and so does Wedge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they got a little bit back, but it's not this version. No. But if your interest in Star Wars was not Jedis and lightsabers, but instead uh, fighters fighting in space, this is a pretty great option. I'm not going to tell you it is, again, Legends or Extended Universe writing. It's not the most fantastically well done. But if you like dogfighting, it's pretty cool. And it's, you know, it's got some pretty good, you know, egotistical fighter jock moments. Uh, it also, as you get later in the series, you hit a, a another squadron that is essentially just Wedge as a long-suffering DM while these <laughs> RPG players are just ruining his carefully established story <laughs> by doing whatever they feel like within the squadron. But does it have a beach volleyball scene? It does not. Uh, it does eventually have a, I don't want to spoil much, but there is a long-running gag that culminates in Wedge having to fly with an Ewok puppet in his lap in one of the mother of all space battles <laughs> in order to fulfill a specific role. I mean, that's, that's, that's a certain level of hazing that just kind of exists yeah, no, it's, it's just amongst one of these pilots. That, that, that builds up over time. It's, you know, it's, it's war. Like there's, there's a lot of downtime and there's a lot of time just where practical jokes are a thing. Yeah. And it's, uh, he, he has the moment where he keeps encountering this, the stupid thing. He's just sighed. He's like, at least morale is high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's uh, like 12 books. Yeah. I was going to say, there's quite a lot. There's a lot of books and they're pretty fun, pretty good read. So yeah, throw that out there. Uh, if you are like us, a player of X-Wing, the miniatures game, uh, and you haven't read these books somehow, you should. So, yeah. Uh, so before Joel gets to go, um, unfortunately, there is no streaming service that you can get it for the subscription price. Okay. So if you wanted to watch it uh, for, for Squatcats, Squatcats, mm -hmm. the Radical Squadron. Of, of Radical. Um, unfortunately, you'd have to purchase the entire, like basically each season of the show for twenty dollars wow. off of Amazon Prime, mm -hmm. um, so uh, clearly it has not. Commit. Yeah, it hasn't been picked up yet. Um, there may be if you have like a Boomerang TV subscription, they may do reruns of it there. That, they have a lot of hand. Yeah, they have hand. Yeah, um, and at one point there was an attempt to revive it to reboot it. There was, and I don't think that that succeeded in any way. As far as I know, it was not successful. Yeah, I have I have many friends for whom there this is nostalgia, mm -hmm. but I don't know if I have enough friends to you know, push that through. Yeah, right. Continue. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to pitch this at you in general terms first. Right. Okay. okay so hotshot young pilot whose father was um, lost in battle, also a pilot and is generally disgraced. Top Gun. And who is uh, searching for answers about their father to find out the truth about what happened. Top Gun. At the same time, training in a group of gifted pilots where they are not the best. The best is a uh, straight-laced, by-the-book, uh, flies-like-a-machine 
um, alpha male type. Top Gun? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is not, in fact, Top Gun. This is uh, Skyward by Brandon Sanderson. Um, this is a novel. Um, it is a YA female protagonist, and it is set in a sci-fi universe where humanity has been brought to the brink of extinction, and they are hiding out on this planet that is surrounded by a just a complete haze of floating debris that's in orbit that creates kind of a shifting shell around the planet. And that's cool. Um, yeah. Periodically, there are debris falls. And so living on the surface is dangerous. So they mostly live in subterranean caverns. In addition to that, whenever there is a gap in the debris field, alien forces uh, mount a sortie to come and eradicate the humans. And so their only line of defense is their highly specialized uh, air force utilizing stolen technology from the aliens to create uh, essentially omnidirectional jet fighters. So I'm not going to lie. When you initially mentioned that this is what you were going to use mm -hmm. in the, the pre-show prep, you didn't drop the author's name. Yeah. <laughs> and I am more interested now that you have provided so, that information. On a, on a scale of Mistborn to Stormlight Archives, where does this range? Uh, in terms of what complexity, uh, below Mistborn. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's not, it's no, not, no, this is, this is actual YA, like actually targeted at YA. Ooh. Mistborn is not. Mistborn is an adult reading level. Oh, cool. Well then I'm totally going to read this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, if it was like I'd Stormlight, I'd just shot. not do it, but no, no, no. Yeah. No, Stormlight is the most complex stuff that he's written. So like no, it, nothing is up there. A hundred percent it is. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to pick up Stormlight just so I can read like what's wrong with Andrew this is easy <laughs> I mean it will probably be easy for you but okay so anyways yeah, um, yeah. Skyward Skyward yeah yeah. Uh, that sounds awesome because that sounds exactly like, like, like Top, Top Gun, Gun. yep yeah. <laughs> I mean I was so okay so I had not seen Top Gun before doing research for this show right uh -huh. and so I sat there watching Top Gun and I'm like this is Skyward this is Sky. this is the plot of Sky. Brandon Sanderson, what did you do? <laughs> well, when you crank out so many books, at some point, you know, what 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 is it? Good artists imitate great, great artists. artists yeah. Steal. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, because because Brandon Sanderson didn't start writing books until like late nineties. Uh some somewhere around there. His first published work was in the early two thousands. Yeah. So he he definitely And he was writing um, for a, about ten years before he got his first book published. Yeah. Yeah, so he definitely um, uh, was around the time when uh, Top Gun came out initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And and he's probably he was probably around the age where it was very influential. Mm -hmm. I would um, imagine in in his. Uh, are, are you um, just telling youth. me that he's my age? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he's probably a little bit older than you, but yeah, pretty much. Okay. I, all right. You know well, now. You know these things are online. I really hope that he is older than me because every time someone brings up someone, I'm like, oh yeah, they're totally. Oh, they're like five years young. Oh, they've done so much with their lives. <laughs> every yeah. Every time I think about um, uh, music artists that are like twenty, and I'm like, wow, they have more money than I'll ever have. Well, and that's one of those things that really <laughs> gets me because you know when you see you know like a, a sports star, it's like, well, I'm just I'm never going to be six foot nine. Yeah. It's not happening. And then you see a musician and it's like, you know, if I had actually dedicated myself, there's no physical limitation to can I play the guitar or piano really, I, legitimately. So Sanderson was born in 1975. I'm safe. <laughs> oh, OK. Yeah. So he. Oh, yeah. He was like wheelhouse. Yeah. He was like out. 11 years old when this came out. Yeah. This is exactly <laughs> the type of story that he would that he would go for. Yeah. Perhaps we do not personally know the man. 
I mean, well, he wrote a he book, wrote about, a book it. about it. <laughs> I feel pretty confident going out on this limb. It's not a yeah. slim limb. On that note, we should give a bad synopsis. I, I think I already did, actually. So, so you have to do it again. You have to again. do it again. All right. So young hotshot pilot whose father, who was also a pilot, died in action and was disgraced. <laughs> and so they have a chip on their shoulder about that. Um, no, so we, we come in with a, uh, kind of a cold open with a, uh, jet fighters having a, a tense encounter with a unnamed enemy force, uh, fighter groups, just MIGs and, um, where, where we have the not main character pilot freeze up due to some undisclosed previous trauma. And they're, they, they, they can't execute, like they get really rattled by the encounter and can't really, mm-hmm. uh, continue to function. And, um, we have, uh, our, our hero, uh, defy orders in order to help them bring their plane in and avoid catastrophe in that situation. And due to that pilot deciding to turn in their wings because they are no longer fit to fly, uh, our hero and his, um, uh, Rio, which stands for, you said it. Uh, Radar intercept officer. There we go. Um, these, these. Or operator, either one is fine. This team sure. of two. One of those is correct and the other is not. Now I'm going to look this up. Again. <laughs> well, he's, he's still an officer. So like. He's an officer and he's an operator, but one of those is yeah. correct. He's a Rio. the other is not. <laughs> anyway, so these, this, this second runner up team of two now gets picked because the, the, the first place dude on this ship has just retired essentially. And they get picked to be sent to a school for the best of the best in jet fighter pilots um, to teach them the lost art of dogfighting. Not really the lost art. It's really okay. So Top Gun is essentially a um, a graduate program for Navy pilots. It was established to teach pilots the lost art of dogfighting. They they actually cover that in the movie. Those are the words I said. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I missed those words. Uh, uh so, but anyway, so like the, the, the rest of the movie is, is centered around, uh, the training and the relationships that are developed there and the situations that arise and really cool hijinks ensue. So I just like to say that looking up this term also made me feel better about myself. Uh, so one, it is radar intercept officer is oh. what Rio stands for. Uh, however, at the start of the movie, when Lauren asked me, I actually referred to him as a WSO or a WISO, mm-hmm. which is weapon system officer, which is, which the, is modern, also the, same the modern term. Yeah. Rio uh, is the old term. And they said Rio and I was like, man, was I, am I out of touch? <laughs> no, it's the children who are wrong. Yeah. W, WSO is also. Um, yeah. Yeah. Though, and that, that actually kind of messed with me for a minute. I just didn't think to go back and look it up. So anyways. Yeah. Moving forward, we've got our synopsis out of the way. It's time to talk about a couple of scores. All right. So we have our scores split up between a technical rating and a entertainment value. And for our technical rating, that is that is uh, averaged out between our four pillars of review, that being spectacle, performance, score, and plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the technical rating, we have given this film a 6.3 out of 10. That's not great. It's kind of low. Yeah. A little not, on the low Not side. the worst that we've yeah. handed out. Very far from the best. It, it is definitely not the lowest. No. It falls short of the No Way Home threshold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. So there are, there are some 
problems with this film, but which we will go into in great detail yes. yeah, there, later. There are problems with it that exist because of the era, and there are also problems with it that as soon as this movie was created, they just weren't good. Uh, yeah, most of them be, come from just being generally inaccurate with, with one, how the Navy works, and then two... Um, it's just not internally how, consistent with itself, honestly. Uh, yeah, um, the dogfighting looks very cool for the time, mm-hmm. um, however, is um, not... I actually, I, I, I disagree with you all on that one, and we'll, we'll get into it I more. I didn't even say what my point was. Well, I don't care, I disagree with you. <laughs> I disagree, no principle. matter what it is. But, so, we have the entertainment value separated out, because even if something is not technically sound, it can still be really enjoyable. And in this case, that was not the case. And we found <laughs> our entertainment value score to be 7 out of 10. So that's slightly higher. better. That's slightly better. I feel that is completely false based on what I gave it. So you guys must have hated it. Um, hated it as strong. That's disliked strong it greatly. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's, a, it's fine. And that's, that's as far as I'm willing to go. <laughs> okay, so... The movie yes. um, came mm-hmm. out in 1986. Yes. Um, and uh, it, there's, <laughs> like, without getting into any specific details, I mean, if you if you haven't seen Top Gun, well, actually, it's not actually unheard of that you haven't seen Top Gun because Joel hadn't seen Top I Gun, hadn't seen nope, Top Gun. before this. So um, I can't say that it is unlikely that you will be spoiled from this film because you definitely could be. Could be. In yeah. fact, if you go watch the trailer for Top Gun Maverick, you will 100% be spoiled for this film. You have a general idea. Well, especially if you watch the new one yeah, where they yeah, reveal some, yeah. some things that happen in this yeah. one. Yeah. But uh, basically there's there's a um, an unfortunate uh, just product of the times is if there are two opposite sex characters in a film, they have to fall in love. And the love story is not good. No. It is almost in 100% irrelevant to the story it yes. just if it didn't exist the movie would still just be awesome aerial combat with hotshot fighter jocks and it would yeah. be fine and like the the like the whole fighter jock culture part of the film mm-hmm. regardless of any sort of accuracy to military life whatsoever is is like the embodiment of cool right uh, for the for, 80s, for the 80s yeah. yeah but i mean they're very much so they're all you know the the Alpha male jocks, you know, gotta gotta prove who's best. Gotta have my ego, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I mean, you know, to be fair, these are the best of the best no. in aviator comp. No. The movie makes it very clear that Maverick isn't even the best in his own squadron on one carrier. Well, I mean, like you still, like, <laughs> I know, I you're, know. you're still like <laughs> one of the better pilots. Yeah, just just being a pilot for a fighter jet in an armed forces is already, you're already very high up in percentages. Yeah. Well, and you have to have a certain type of personality to fly these things in a combat ready capacity. Yes. And that personality is probably going to be an alpha male. Well, it's, it's also kind of one of those, it's kind of a, the pinnacle of skill. And generally speaking, the further up the skill pyramid you go, the more ego comes mm-hmm. into play. Right. Yeah. Because when you've always been, you know, the best football player in school, you, you might be hard to deal with for some people, right? It's the same culture. Yeah. With, Just with jet fighters. At least this, the 80s fighter jock mentality mm-hmm. or whatever this year. So it's just kind of hard to avoid. Yeah. Okay. It's also a purely 
men's boys club. Uh, so that breeds its own. Yeah, I mean, there there are definitely parts of this film that would not track well in today's um, environment uh, for filmmaking. And a lot of those have to do with the the romance subplot. The the, the incessant <laughs> romance is a very strong word to use yeah. for this. <laughs> uh, the the incessant. Um, uh, I don't know, bird, harassment, harassment, of bird dogging. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah it's, we it's, we we definitely. He takes very much so a fifty no's and one yes is still a yes approach, which is not, weird yeah, to not watch. Good. Yeah, um, which is you know it's it's definitely one of those things where you know in the eighties that may have that may have passed, but uh, you know the further you get away from that time period, um, it is not really kosher anymore. No. We've harped on that enough. So <laughs> what if we also bring up the fact that it was almost entirely a military propaganda movie? Woo-hoo. Well, it was a Navy recruitment film. Um, and by the time that they realized that it was a Navy recruitment film, uh, they had uh, Navy recruitment uh, booths in the theaters while yeah. it was still yeah. waiting for you to come out. Yeah. Uh, but now, now, to be fair, it actually worked. Um, whenever the film or after the film released, they noticed um, oh, recruit, a, fi- a five spiked five hundred percent increase mm-hmm. in navy aviator, navy aviator. naval aviator candidates. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I thought. Oh, the budget for this, right? It's only fifteen million. And they, I think they paid the U.S. Navy. I think like like four or five million for the time with I the mean, jets. I mean, they basically. Most of the and a lot of these shots really are probably just written off as training hours with actual you know naval naval aviators. Yeah. Uh, so they saved a lot of money basically by kind of appealing to the navy. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting to watch as the movie progresses. It feels kind of like the time that they had with the jets and the pilots kind of fell off <laughs> because the initial scenes are are very lovingly shot, and it kind of collapses after a while. Once once they get to um about a little bit past halfway in the film a lot of the a lot of the footage feels very similar to the last shot you just saw yeah 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 once they get out to miramar yeah yeah to two top gun uh but i mean you know so for me right i'm a kid at the time uh that i first saw this because that's kind of how it works not an adult like joel uh i'm an adult adult. (laughs) (laughs) the sequences you know i I probably saw this early 90s Mm -hmm. when i first saw it because i mean i'm you know 83 so i was a little too young to see it in the years uh the the aerial combat sequences were pretty amazing oh they're and they're still one of some of the best cool the first aerial encounter is so well shot it's Mm -hmm. ridiculous how good especially given for the technology time how large these cameras had to be and they just strapped them wherever they could. <laughs> so they actually appealed. I don't know if they, they went to Northrop Grumman or Northrop Grumman just did it, but they built a specialized mount for the A6 intruder that would hold four cameras. Oh, that's cool. I didn't so know that, that. So they could do the flight photography with basically another Navy jet. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because like at this point, um, you know, in the 80s, technology is so much larger than what it is now where they can mm-hmm. basically compact full HG, HD, 4K, IMAX quality kind of footage into, you know, something that can fit in your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not for IMAX, but y- you know what I mean. And, you know, back then everything's film. There's no digital at all. Yeah, I, if you wanted to put a camera on the outside of this highly tuned weapon of war, 
you know, you know, that's going, you know, 700 miles an hour. Yeah, you didn't just slap an SD card in that thing. It had to have <laughs> film reels attached to it yeah. to get the footage. Yeah. And if you wanted to, to reload the film, you had to land the plane. Yep. And then take it back off. And that is a lot of fuel. That is a lot of fuel. Yeah. Uh, so, Joel, what are, what are your general thoughts of the film? Especially as someone who, who has, has only seen it for this purpose. Right. So, the, you know, we, the coolness factor is like what it's trading on right. the entire time. And to that extent, it generally succeeds. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've you've got the jet fighters that are just they're just cool. And you've got these guys strutting around. They're like, I'm the best, you know, and they're just <laughs> like, I'm going to beat you at being and they all the have best. cool names, right? You got Maverick. Oh, yeah. And Slider, the call Ice signs, Man, the call signs, the call signs just dial the cool factor up to 11, right? Like and, and we don't we're too cool for human names. We're using <laughs> made up names that sound cool. And everyone's ro- I mean even the instructors are rocking rocking, you know, Jester and Viper. Right? And, yeah. And so like that whole culture, whether fictitious or not, is a fun ride to visit. Yeah. Okay. Don't live there. Just visit. Just, just <laughs> look in the window for yeah. a yeah. Well, um, there's a line in the movie where um, Maverick, the main character, introduces himself as Maverick to a, right. to a girl and she's like, why did your mom hate you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he pivots to that and be like, no, I'm one of the coolest people in the entire world. I I'm fly a, jets. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a naval aviator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to, trying to impress. Yeah. But, you know, it's definitely um, one of those films where uh, I would not be wearing or I would not have a pair of Ray-Ban aviators if I had not seen this movie. Yeah. Like it, it is it is the epitome of rule of cool in the form of jets and and hotshot pilots mm-hmm. where and this is kind of where that kind of mo- that moniker generally comes from, too, is. You know, like you have like the really cocky attitude and the guy that, you know, that just. He just, you know, flies by the seat of his pants. This, I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of where this comes from. Yeah, I, I, it does amuse me, though, that our, our quote unquote villain or antagonist is someone who flies by the rules. Yeah. <laughs> it's still such a weird thing to see. Because, you know, when you're a kid and you watch this, that doesn't hit, right? Yeah. And then yeah, you're like, oh, Iceman, I don't like him. Yeah. And then it hits <laughs> as an adult and you're like, wait, why are we supposed to not like this guy? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just trying to follow the rules. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Maverick. We're about to head out on our final hop. And if spoilers are too close to the danger zone for you, it may be best you sit this one out and study up on spoilersintendedpodcast.com, a great resource for all of our episodes, Patreon, and Discord content. If you are feeling ready, push that throttle forward because I'm feeling the need, the need for speed. Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. Hope you had a quick little intermission there. In case you didn't get the message, it is all spoilers all the time, all the way down to the Indian Ocean. On that note, it's time to talk about a little spectacle. Yeah. Let Joel go first. All right. So, spectacle, we're talking about that wow factor, the visual effects, the 
thematic elements at play that just make you go, hmm, that's an experience. I'm curious about where you landed on this. Uh, well, I, I, I gave it a seven. Give it a seven out of ten. Um, because like we've been talking about, the subject matter is just it's it's really impressive subject matter, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're talking jets, we're talking impressive, ego-driven, you know, pilots and and all of the trappings that surround that. Mm-hmm. And that is a really great setting to have a high spectacle production. Yeah. Um, high octane. Yeah. And the I think there are a couple of problems that really detract from the potential that could have been reached. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them being the just the the kind of sparsity of of aerial combat footage in the latter half of the film that we talked about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there, there are a, a number of potential issues that lead into that reality, whether it be ran out of flight time with the cameras or <laughs> uh, and then and then. For sure, you know, they're they're in a time mid 80s where they don't have the technology to supplement, right? Yeah. If if they're gonna have footage, it's because they were in the air and they got that footage. Yeah. And and it's definitely one of those where if they, you know, had stuff storyboarded out and then, you know, the day didn't go as long as they wanted it to, you know, for whatever reason the the Navy needed to reacquisition the the planes for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're just stuck with whatever footage they have and they got to make it work. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is kind of couched within the Cold War scare. Mm-hmm. And, you know, surprise, this is a shot in 1985. The Cold War was still going on. Yeah. Yep. And ignoring the fact that, you know, you're out in, I don't actually know where they filmed with the Enterprise, what ocean, but wherever they Not were. Not the Indian Ocean. I don't think it was. <laughs> but wherever they were, you know, you're not guaranteed that you have nice weather today or tomorrow or yeah. next week or yeah. whatever. You can't fix that problem and you're only out there for so long. So. Yeah. And you definitely don't fly these jets in anything but very nice weather. Not for this purpose, no. no. Also, it would be a little weird to be like, it's a clear sky. We're having a dogfight. Now it's a storm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the the footage issues for a at least the latter half of the film contribute to some of the more important action sequences being difficult to follow. Right. And, uh, and so that, that's where it kind of hits the most in this category for me. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite, um, uh, this is just a general knock, uh, is in the final fight in, um, uh, in the Indian Ocean somewhere, and Iceman is isolated while, uh, while Maverick is, is flying towards him. And we get the shot of, he's like, oh, they're all over me. And there's, you know, like the, the F-14, and then there's, a whole bunch of, of MiG-28s, which is actually an F-5. There is no MiG-28. doesn't exist. Uh, all these, like, they're basically all doing, like, aileron rolls. Yeah. A- uh, aerial around, acrobatics yeah, around, and around him. Off. And they show the footage twice. twice. They do. <laughs> yeah, they're they very proud of that maneuver. Yeah. Yeah, so you're, you're weighing in. Let's hear a score. Uh, so I, I also gave it a seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it was, um, it's definitely, so Tony Scott directed the film, and there's actually some really um, fantastic shots of whenever uh, um, Maverick is on the ground, uh, one riding his uh, his motorcycle down the runway, which is totally something you could never do. Mm-hmm. But um, but he does, you know, you do get the F-14 taking off in the background yeah. uh, at, at sunset. Beautiful shot. Then basically all the shots when they're on the aircraft carrier of uh, of them actually on the aircraft carrier of shooting down the line of all the F-14s. 
all of the crew that are um, that are actual naval the flight flight deck crew working. Yeah, yeah. Um, those are not actors; those are just normal military guys um, just doing their job. And uh, like in those kind of shots, especially at the the beginning of the film, um, whenever you know, like they're getting ready for the for the jets to launch, mm. is just so cool because yeah. you really get to you get a kind of a taste of um, how everything kind of works. And there's so many there's so many like little. Um, you know, bits and pieces in there that, you know, being a kid, you're just like, oh, yeah, this is so, you know, like, and then I want to be the, I want to be that guy that's like, you know, sitting down, calling him out. And then he like leans his head down as the, as the jet flies mm-hmm. over him, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty great. The opening sequence is probably like, it's hard because the opening sequence is probably the best part of the movie. <laughs> like they just immediately give you just this awesome taste of well especially once it takes off of the off of the mm-hmm. carrier and it has the the camera attached to the jet like leaving the carrier and you yeah can it's, see it, it's like, on the tail basically, yeah where the tail hook would be uh, but so yeah kind of like what you guys said like towards the end of the film they, they reuse a lot of footage mm-hmm. and a lot of the footage is them I, I they probably what they probably only did they they probably only had one or two full shoots with the with the MiG-28s mm-hmm. available yeah. um, to them. And they basically just had whatever footage they had and they had to turn it into... Two fights. To two yeah. fights, basically. There, there was an awful lot of close-up of one fighter firing a weapon and then close-up of the target fighter and then just a missile shooting off into the air, completely separate shot, you know? like Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's... Yeah, well, you know, when you start getting into uh, dummy firing missiles and stuff like that, like you can't uh, with the technology that they had yeah. that you can't really like fake that. So you yeah. have to just shoot it, shoot it off into the distance. And then, you know, here's a model of the plane for a split second as it blows up. Yeah. Yeah. All, all the explosions and the, the uh, flat spins were done with models. Yeah. They weren't. The Navy was like, look, guys, we like you. We're not putting, we're not deliberately putting my F-14 into a flat spin and then recovering it. This F-14 costs more than your movie. Movie, yeah. <laughs> One of them. One of them. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, uh, the rest of it, um, you know, it was actually shot pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like, it was very, it was shot very competently and um, whatever they were doing on the, on the ground was actually pretty good. I, I, despite the complete inaccuracy of everyone sweating in the a com room of an aircraft moist. carrier, everyone is uh, so moist. The, I love spritzed. Yeah, well, the, I swear they had an intern that just had a spray bottle. Like, yeah. <laughs> every, before every scene and cut <laughs> action. But all of the uh, all of the lights and everything kind of um, uh, you know giving like the blue and red hue mm-hmm. over everyone. I think that those are really the, light, cool the lighting shots. was really cool in the control room. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to buck the trend. I actually thought I was being harsh. I gave Spectacle an eight. So I initially had it at an eight. Okay. And then I thought about it and I was like, "Mm, the the doubling up on footage does kind of bother me. This is, it was really tough because the, especially the start, like the initial carrier operation shot is probably just some of the best, just fighter jets in operation footage that exists just mm-hmm. period yeah uh well yeah because you don't get like this like movie quality level of of uh viewing of, of just like 
people doing their job. Yeah, and it's really small and tight snapshots of the individual roles involved in the actual launch yeah. or recovery of a fighter and like everything that goes into it. And they're doing this constantly, day in, day out, night and day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, you know, you get the music over top of it and gorgeous views and then the jet takes off and you're like right there with it with the camera, which again, as a kid, you know, that's one of the first moments where you're really just, you know, riding up into the skies with it. And there are so many shots, especially early on, where they really sold out. They had the cameras, you know, on the undersides of the planes and they did a lot with it. Also working with, you know, the time of day. Yeah. Uh and later in the film, right, when we get into the whole reused footage, they reuse the the whole bunch of the the planes in the air. <laughs> yeah, which doing is weird. Just aerobatics around. They, yeah. they reuse the uh, flybys where they have the initial head to head in the combat, and they call out three MIGs. Yep. And then they do another flyby, and it's two MIGs in a head to head, but it's still three MIGs shooting by. So mm-hmm. it's just Maverick's either an idiot <laughs> or you know well, they just reuse the, the footage. The, I mean, the other thing is to, and this is more of just a general observation is aerial combat especially with jets is never this close Mm -hmm. uh well well okay it can be close it is not close enough for you to get five um five migs and a f-14 in the same shot at the same time that is totally accurate uh (laughs) i actually will have a counterpoint for your first thing later because it's something i wanted to bash on then when i thought about it i was like no okay that's actually wrong but we'll <laughs> we'll get into that later that's a plot relevant point not yeah. a, not a spectacle because for the actual cinematography you need to jam as many of these planes in the frame as you as can you possibly can and they need to be doing as many cool things as they can just go ahead and well, well what do you want just to roll. do just fly lip roll the thing come on man yeah. give a show <laughs> well you know you know as a as a kid you know 10 11 year old kid you're like oh this is so cool like they're doing all the barrel rolls and everything mm-hmm. and then like as you get older and have even any kind of general concept of of like fighting in in planes mm-hmm. none of this <laughs> would, would well, work yeah but the one that gets me is when maverick takes off to go you know rescue iceman at the end and he does a roll coming off the, the carrier. <laughs> and one, holy crap, what a showcase of how much power the engines were putting out to just be able to just do that in real life. Like, there's no faking this. This happened. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and also, what a stupid moment for the plot of the movie. You need to get out there. Stop showing off, you idiot. <laughs> plot point. But, you know, as a kid, that's so cool. As an adult, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, because you have to think about it from from the logistics in his mind of like, I'm going to do a roll when I get off of this. Give, as, give as a show. My, Let him know I'm in charge here. As, as my wingman is being hounded on by, you know, six MiGs. I mean, he doesn't really like the guy, right? Yeah, but he, I mean, you know. Still They're still on the same team. I've got to do a job. They were on the same team in volleyball. That's but, just like Jet Fighters. True, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he lost his team, so he has to find a new yeah, team. Oh, that's oh, sad. sad. Oh. But seriously, though, why is everyone so moist? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense when they're on the volleyball court. That's the only time that the spritzer made sense. Yeah, I mean, well, even when, when they're, I mean, like, it's, they just took showers, but, like, their towels are really not doing anything because they're no, they're dripping wet. Damp. <laughs> in in a very non-humid environment. Yeah. Y'all are damp. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, time to jump forward into the performance. Uh let's see. Joel went first. It was I'll... a very damp performance. Andrew? I'll go. Uh, yeah. I give it a 7. Okay. Uh mm-hmm. I I honestly thought that uh Tom Cruise's um performance was actually really good. Um yeah. I thought he like 
after Goose dies, he has a very like good emotional section of the film, mm-hmm. um, and uh, pr- culminating in the um, he tries to get back up in the jet and he doesn't engage, yeah. and then he gets back down, and uh, Sundown is just hounding him, and he just turns mm-hmm. around, and just grabs him, and um, I will not repeat the line because it has some uh, curse words in it. Yeah. Uh, as you do, as you do, but um, like that, it culminates in just this climactic moment for him of just like you know what I'm going to do it whenever I'm ready, mm-hmm. and it is just like it's probably one of his better, um, like earlier performances. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, compared to something like Risky Business, or I mean, I love Risky Business; it's a great film, but uh, it's it's also not one of his better. I- Speaking of this being an early performance for Tom Cruise, it was so distracting just looking at how ridiculously young he is he, right? yeah. in this film. <laughs> it's like, this is a child. Why are you showing me a child? <laughs> well, because he's, um, you know, like all of these fighter pilots are meant to be, you know, in their mid-20s, yeah. essentially, you know, because they- I'm not they, sure he was that old. <laughs> Uh, he was, was he? yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, he, he's looking up, but I'm pretty sure he was like 25. Okay. If I remember correctly. Um, so he's pretty much right around the age of where he needs to mm. be for that. Cause so, he, he was 21 in risky business. So Cruz was born in 1962. So filming this, he's 23. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's maybe a little young, but not unbelievably so. Mm-hmm. He just looks young just in general. Yeah. Cause like I would, I would, if they said that he was 19 in that film, I would have believed it. Well, he and, and that's I the thing he that wouldn't. For most films, he's been. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if they said he was nine, if, like if he was actually, if they for whatever reason stated his age in there, if he was anything younger than twenty five, I mean, I mean, for the plot, it wouldn't have made sense. Yeah. But I'm just yeah, saying for his appearance. He, yeah, he just wouldn't have had the experience to be yeah. a, a fighter pilot to be in Top Gun, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, less crews, more yeah. other people. Uh, I actually really like Kelly McGillis. I thought she did a good job. Um, un- unfortunately, given the role that she was, which is just to be a, a romantic. Time to throw away my job for this hot shot pilot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like what she was given, she actually did a really good job. And yeah. um, I also thought Anthony Edwards' goose yeah. um, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. There. He and Cruz's chemistry as the we're, we're a team mm-hmm, but was you can, really good. Well, and you can tell that they have you could tell that they had quotation marks a lot of history in character, right? Um, where you know, like they they could finish each other's sentences. He like Goose knew exactly what Maverick was going to do. Yep. At any given time, whether it was good or bad, mm-hmm. and just had to deal with whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Joel? All right. Well, I'm going to upset the charts here and I'm going to also give it a seven. <laughs> oh. Uh, but I'm going to take a little bit different tack on it. I thought that, um, you know, the movie hinges on Cruz's performance because it it's all about Maverick. Like, mm-hmm. he's the, the not only is he the protagonist, there basically isn't another character that has an arc. Like, it's just all him. Yeah. Yep. And so the parts where he is playing the cocky hotshot pilot, I thought that he just nailed it. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, there are. When he is is asked to emote angrily in response to the trauma of of losing Goose in in a tragic accident, mm-hmm. he does that well. But there were scenes where he is is supposed to be more quietly remorseful. Yeah, that just fell flat for me. Okay, um, and okay. so so like eighty five percent of what he did was really great, and the rest of it was just kind of. Eh. And then <laughs> I mean, that's totally fine. Yeah. And then yeah. and then like for the for the whole supporting cast, they performed adequately, but they weren't they were basically given nothing to work with. 
Yes. Especially anyone that wasn't Kelly McGillis or Anthony Edwards. Yeah. Like they like there was no other. I mean, like Tom Skerritt, he's a good actor, but he just kind of plays the I same mean, guy. Val Kilmer, right? Playing mm-hmm. Iceman. It's like this is the quote unquote antagonist for the piece. Like give him some some characterization or something. Like Yeah, he was he was just <laughs> he's you a, know he's the by the rules. Pilot. Yeah. yeah. He's like, Iceman. That's all you needed. That one sentence. We're good. Yeah, no more personality. He doesn't get more personality than that. That's no. all the personality anybody needs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Andrew gave it a seven. Joel gave it a seven. Mm-hmm. I have come to upset the consensus by also giving it a seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're very upset. Yeah, oh, I y'all should be. So yeah, I mean, you know, Cruz is Cruz. Uh, yeah, I really liked the chemistry with him and Edwards. Their, mm-hmm. their interactions felt very natural. Like you said, it felt like they had as characters a like, lot of history. Yeah, together. like true history that they they have been together since flight school. Yeah, they, and that they, is they, they just never they're joined at the hip. Yeah, they reference certain incidents mm-hmm. and you know happenings and why you got to do this again and you know eat from the from the bar right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think she's lost that love and feeling. <laughs> no, like, no, 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 man, come on, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but then he commits, right? Because he's the he's yeah, he's not the wingman, but he is you know the partner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, y'all kind of touched on this already. Uh, Tom Skerritt, Michael Ironside, and James Tolkien. Uh, so that is Viper, Jester, and Stinger, respectively. You know, they all are playing the same roles that they've always played. They're, mm-hmm. you know, except grizzled, this time with cool fake names. With cool things, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but just the things that are happening around them, and they're they're just the the grizzled you know, pilots and commanders and these yeah. kinds of things. They're just there to be the boss, right? Mm-hmm. They they fulfill their role well. You know, uh, McGillis, she got basically nothing. I think probably of all the performances, hers is the best because she was given the least <laughs> and she made the most of that. Yeah, it's, it's always unfortunate whenever I watch these older films and you know that the only reason why they have a female character in the film is just so she could be a romantic interest. Yeah. And it's just like, come on, like you guys can do so much more than this. It, their initial interaction in the bar is good just because if you you know you know what's coming where oh she's the the civilian yeah the civilian trainer contractor or, whatnot, or whatever that's going to show up and she has some level of authority mm-hmm. uh, and he's just making a total and, and then she just throws it away and it's just like yeah <laughs> but like you know she walks up to the front of the class and, and <laughs> Cruz immediately puts his his aviators on <laughs> and he looks away and like goose leans and he's like yo yo that's like the girl uh, you know that moment is is hilarious and would have been perfect if there had been something more interesting to to develop off of it. Yeah, or, you know, why were, why are they giving a briefing in the middle of an airplane hangar? Ah, uh, you know, I mean, not like I'm a, not here to classroom. question that one. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> they at least have more traditional, like, classroom settings later. They do. Yeah. Uh, but someone did have to carry all those desks out there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's basically just it's worthy of a seven and yeah. I, I don't, I just don't know anyone ever really, really rose up and so if I think what Joel was saying, if Cruz had really nailed the quiet, melancholy moments, all of our scores probably would have gone up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it probably would have at least pushed it to an eight. Yeah. So speaking of scores, it's time to move on and talk about the score. I want you to start since you're the oldest. You want me to start? Because I'm the oldest. Okay. You, you have, the, you have the, the most amount of surface area into true 80s music. Surface area. Surface area. Surface area of time. We are going to integrate your life. Oh, wow. All right, Joel, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> All right. So as we've already stated, I have the most, I have the, the 
the <laughs> longest foothold. Wait, the largest the surface area. Did you just call him fat? <laughs> no, no, no. I was like rubbing my stomach. <laughs> I have the most exposure. <laughs> oh, no. So, yes. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, yeah, I gave it a nine. Okay. I, I owned the soundtrack on CD. I probably still have it. I could probably find it. Uh, some of these songs, I mean, Danger Zone is full on. That comes on the radio. You crank the radio. You roll the windows down. And you hope there's not a cop for the next three miles, yep. right? <laughs> that is, and you're just, going real slow if the whole song takes you three miles to. to you get know, there. Well, you know what I mean. Well, you got to come down <laughs> off of the speed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, take my breath away. Is uh, a mean, great song. Yeah. So that was uh, that was number one on um, the billboards for I think like five non consecutive weeks, but it, it basically it's, gave Berlin their name. Yeah. Uh, the Top Gun anthem. Mm-hmm. I mean, that comes on again. It, it you, you immediately know we've we've talked about this with some scores where, yeah, the music good. Does it support the emotion of the scene? Sure, but is there anything that you walk out of the theater that sticks with you? <laughs> this is one the, of those. This movie has those, and there are some failings elsewhere, but for what it is, this just nails it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Especially for me, again, as I have the most. Surface, surface area <laughs> within the eighties. So let's let's uh, let's go down the scale. Let's Andrew. go down the scale of surface areas. Uh, I also gave it a nine. Okay. Uh, this is um, this was also one of the one of the early CDs that I had um, available to me that I just it was just repeat on repeat on repeat. Um, I still listen to a lot of this music today, mm-hmm. like uh, just in various workout playlists or you mm-hmm. know just kind of every day you know i definitely have it when i'm working on cars um you know it's it is just like quintessential 80s guitar riffs and and just like exactly what you expect out of 80s music okay if, yeah if and um uh, you know we haven't even mentioned mighty wings by cheap trick which they only play like like just little like bits in the film but then the ending um credits has mm-hmm. mighty wings and um this was one of the one of the films that really had like, like basically every single piece of music was written for the film so like they hired kenny loggins to make the danger zone like mm-hmm. that wasn't a song that he just had and then they're like oh we're going to use it for the film like he wrote it for the film mm-hmm. same, same thing take with, my breath away yeah, yeah same thing with cheap trick um and uh if you really want a fun time uh, just go on YouTube and just type in, you know, Kenny Loggins Danger Zone and you can just watch him in a sweaty <laughs> room with aviators just staring directly at you while singing Danger Zone. Yeah. yeah. With, you know, with uh, obviously movie footage um, uh, paired over. But the, he, he really liked the intern with the spritzer. So he hired. Yeah. Spritzer, yeah. <laughs> uh, or you can go to the Top Gun theme and watch Steve Stevens play in a massive airplane hangar with a guy on a grand piano, even though there's no piano in the actual song. Mm, yeah. It's just a synthesizer. The, look, man, it's the eighties <laughs> and most music videos were filmed in a where or a factory that only produces sparks. <laughs> so we're really lucky that we got what we got for those. Oh no. I mean, they're fantastic. And yeah. I, I, you know, I'll pick them up every once in a while, but yeah, the, the soundtrack does exactly what you want it to out of a hotshot dogfighting jet 
plane movie. Okay. Uh, it, if there was one thing they did right with this film, it is this. All right, let's. And let's, then Joel is going to bring us all back we're down. Gonna, we're going to continue the amoeba progression and get right. the least surface area. I have area. the least surface area in the 80s, uh, three quarters of a year surface area in the 80s. Yeah. And I gave the score of five. <laughs> uh, so, all right. It shows. So, outside of. Okay, hold on, hold on. First, I have a question. Okay. This was the first time you've seen Top Gun. Yeah. Were you familiar with any of this music prior to seeing this movie? Danger Zone and Take My Breath Away. Okay. I okay. just one. Yeah. So outside of Danger Zone, mm -hmm. um, there were only four pieces of music. There was Take My Breath Away, which played in every single scene that w which was, was associated with the romance subplot. Right. There was one piece that was sad. There was one piece <laughs> that was exciting. And that was it. And they reused <laughs> them in every single scene. <laughs> so I, I will say that a lot of the the editing for the scores, like in the background, like while the movie was playing, was honestly not that good. Yeah. Where they would like have a buildup and then just immediately just cut into a completely different just song. Right. Else. Like yeah. and, and the the audio levels, like like there was no fading in, there was no fading out. It was all in your face or it was not there. On yeah. or off. Right. Yeah. And so like you can get away with reusing themes and stuff if you're subtle and you apply, you know, some technical finesse and they, none of that happened like, at all. <laughs> it was a 30, like what? $25 million film or no, 13, 15 million dollar film. Million so, dollar I mean, film. like, look, there's only so much of audio editing that can be done and they, here. They paid for all this music. To you know what? You know what? Volume is one knob, and you just you just <laughs> pay the guy, the intern that went around spritzing everybody. Just just tell him no, put down no, the bottle. No, go fiddle no, with this knob. No, that's that, what we need what, you to do this what, afternoon. <laughs> I'm not going to continue my joke after what you just said. We're going to leave it like that. <laughs> but I, I mean. I totally get it if you're like, especially if 80s music is really not your thing. Oh, no. Like, um, like I was like, none of this music is in the slightest engaging. Yeah. yeah. So that, 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 and that's that not is, surprising. Yeah. yeah. That is totally okay. You can be wrong. All right. There we go. Four points of wrong. There we go. Yeah. Yes. Just there about. Well, okay. I actually had it as a, had it, had it at a 10. Oh, oh. Okay, I never gave it a 10. <laughs> I debated between eight and nine because some of the other stuff that's outside of just the music that we know it's not that great. Yeah. So I was kind of, but, but it's just too, it's too much of an icon. It, it is very iconic. Yeah. So I'm sorry that you were not part of the surface area. Yeah. The amoeba my only has so my much. My surface area for. was small and so was my score. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So moving forward into the plot. And I think I'm going to play clean up on this one because I'll go. stuff that gets jumped over i'm just gonna sweep up so yeah let's let andrew go first <laughs> i gave blot a three yep okay all right <laughs> um as much as i love this film uh there's the more you watch it it's kind of like it's one of those images whenever you see where you're just like oh this is fine and then the more you actually look at the image mm -hmm. the more is wrong with it so an ai wrote this film yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're like <laughs> there's there's just like like the more because the, I've seen this movie a lot, like probably as much as like at least any pick out any individual of the original trilogy, Star Wars. Yeah. Like I've seen this movie a lot. We had a, a VHS at my house. It was one of the only movies that my parents allowed me to watch when I was younger. 
uh, despite the content of a of a very mild sex scene and the death of a character. But, um, you know, jets are cool because, you know, that's how it works. Right. And, you know, it's the more I watch this, I'm just like one, the romance just was completely not needed at all. And unfortunately, just very cringy just because um, Pete Mitchell Maverick, he just is so incessant and just hounds mm-hmm. um, Charlie until just, you know, until he just gets what he wants, which yeah. is unfortunate. Um, on top of that, there's there's just a lot of military protocol that just doesn't really like like none exist, exist in yeah. this. So like if he would have done basically anything that we he would have that he did to before he even got to Top Gun the school, like he probably wouldn't have even been able to fly again. Yeah. Um, just because he would have been court martialed and or, you know, for whatever reason, like you like despite um, his noble gesture to try and go bring Cougar back in, like he doesn't have any fuel. That is a thirty-eight million dollar plane that he is flying that he is basically commissioned to do by the Navy. Plus all the money in his and Goose's training. Yeah, and like he also caused the whole scenario. The only reason Cougar cracks up is because his wingman is absolutely unreliable and just isn't there and just mm. doing whatever he's showboating. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's. It's one of those things where, like, if that happened in real life, I would imagine that he just wouldn't be in the Navy anymore. Or or he, he would not oh, be no, no, flying no. planes. But say, once you sign the contract, the military owns you. Yeah. <laughs> he just wouldn't have the privilege of being a pilot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like, I could I could go on and on and on, but uh, but mostly it's just like there's just so much that is that is just wrong about the film as far as like how military procedure goes and i don't like in just me being on the outside i've never been in the military i only know a handful of people that have i still know it's wrong yeah and like if i know it's wrong it's probably really wrong (laughs) joel so i am going to be a little more generous i gave it a five and this kind of most of this comes out of one the romance subplot which which one did not tie into anything else. So it was completely unnecessary and two mm-hmm. didn't make any sense from the onset anyway. Um, because like, like this, this woman, Charlie sees guys like him, like dozens of them every year. Yeah. There yeah. is no reason why this one would Wouldn't make, be any different. would make her compromise her, her career. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's just, it doesn't make any sense. And, <laughs> And then, and then for the rest of it, it was mostly had to do with the climax, right? Where you know they specifically ship out a pilot to a situation that could result in an international incident, who has a known unresolved psychological trauma issue around flying an airplane in a combat situation. When when there's so many other pilots that are also right there standing next to at him. that party. He's the second best pilot in the program though. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then the minute that he gets uh you know put into the air to go be the you know fulfill his job and be the mm-hmm. backup for uh Iceman cuz Iceman's wingman has has already been shot down the the carrier just magically loses the ability to launch any more planes. <laughs> I mean, moving parts do have sure, a lifespan. Sure, but every single one of them broke at that moment. <laughs> when when they already provided a framework, they said the entire engagement is going to be over in two minutes, right? They could just say, 
it'll take five minutes for the next plane to be prepped and ready to get over there because there's way more more enemy planes over there than we anticipated. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just going to take like not a long time, five minutes, but that is still way more time than we actually have. So like they didn't have to make it a coincidence and still could have had the same result. And that's mm-hmm. just it makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. OK, continue. But to say something nice, right, because I did give it a five. There's some good stuff in there, at least that that I, I saw. Um, and that is that the the three key relationships in the film between Maverick and Goose, um, Maverick and Iceman and then Maverick and Viper, the 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 primary instructor that's kind of mm-hmm. over the program. All of those were kind of the key touchstones um, in the character's journey. Right. Um, and each one of those relationships I felt was written very well and was very believable. Um, even even if Iceman and Viper didn't get quite enough character writing and characterization mm-hmm. necessarily uh, for the actors to really sink their teeth into the. And the, Val Kilmer's got some chompers, man. Yeah. He, <laughs> But the, <laughs> uh, but 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 how they connected and related to Maverick's character, I thought was was good, right? Like, mm-hmm. and and so the story itself, centered around those three relationships, has a has a solid core going for it. Yeah, yeah, fair, Stephen. Oh boy, I strongly considered punching through the barrier and setting a record. And I couldn't do it quite that much, so I gave it a three. (laughs) (laughs) This was brutal as an adult to watch. One, again, the most irrelevant love story possibly in the history of cinema. You know, most movies, they don't necessarily have a great love story where it's like, well, this doesn't feel earned or I can't see how they would get together. But it at least has some like plot relevance, major plot point or reason for existing. And this one just. And and they doesn't. and they closed the film on it. Yeah. Right? Like like it's it's the the final close bracket which is supposed to be the important one. <laughs> and it's just the okay. Well that's yeah. a thing that also happens. It's it's, supposed, it's like it's supposed to be the the substitute for his relationship that he's lost with Goose or I the mean, relationship pretty he never had with his father. But he's going to get another RIO. Yeah. Right? Like Rio. Rio, whatever. I don't care. WSO Wizzo. I don't care. <laughs> he's going to get another one of those. You know, he's not going to replace his dad, but he's, you know, he's trying to be a father figure now because he wants to be an instructor, right? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I, the love story is so bad. It's just so bad. <laughs> okay. Now let's have some fun, yeah. shall we? <laughs> so. I, I was going to leave a lot of the um, combat stuff to you. Well, since we'll, you're you're more versed, we'll kick off with Joel's comment about the catapults, right? You have more so surface area. They even say, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> they even say, well, catapults three and four are down. Well, from an outside perspective, that implies that catapults one and two exist. And I would mm-hmm. just like to go ahead and confirm: yes, the Enterprise has four catapults. What the <laughs> heck? Just admit, hey, the next pilot is at ready fifteen. Yeah, which they even use the term ready five, which is a real term. And is what is really happening in that Maverick is in the cockpit. The plane is on the catapult ready to go. That is what ready five is. Mm-hmm. Like that is an accurate term. They did it correctly. That's about where it ends. <laughs> because I mean, at Miramar, we get the whole, you know, the hard deck is 10,000. Right? Meaning that if a hard deck is the ground. Yeah. Right. So for training purposes, a hard deck at 10,000 means if you go below 10,000 feet, you're considered you crashed because it's meant to be. Hey, our 
idiot pilots that we're training, if they just keep doing this, they will just run into the ground and we need a way to prevent that, right? Yeah. yeah. None of that footage is shot above 10,000 feet. No, I, I don't think any of it's shot above 3,000 feet, honestly. It's really low down and it's really unbelievable. And then they make it a big plot point. Like it's a big confrontation and just, I uh, don't, like I get that you you got the term and y'all are like, yeah, we're going to make that the fighting. Well, then your footage needs to back it up. It, it, like say like the hard deck is a thousand feet something just pick a different number <laughs> yeah. anything or give me a different reason for the yeah uh the actual climax combat is just beyond dumb uh so i'll let i mentioned earlier in the episode right you talked about the short range of the of the encounter yeah I let that one slide because of the rules of engagement at play, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, don't, don't fire until fired upon. Right. So the only reason that that would happen is you have these close passes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have this antagonization. That's fair. Because just being honest, the F-14 was built to carry the AIM-54 and the AIM-54 was built to go on the F-14 and it has an operational range of 120 miles. Yep. <laughs> the missile is meant to be fired when they never see you. The <laughs> radar sees you, you lock, you pull the trigger, you go do something. You're, you're supposed to be able to engage multiple targets. They carry six of these things, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's an air superiority fire. Right. Uh, what they're actually using is most likely sidewinders. Well, so yeah, there's um, there's a shot where it fires an aim, and then the next shot is a sidewinder. So technically, those are both aims. Oh, really? Yeah, so you have the, the aim seven would be a sparrow, the aim nine is a sidewinder, and then the AIM-120 is the uh, AMRAM, which is the the next longest range missile that isn't the AIM-54 of the Phoenix. Gotcha. They're basically all called AIMs. Those, those were all numbers and yeah, air, I think acronyms. <laughs> air intercept missile or something like that. But either yeah. way, uh, they are all missiles that are used. Um, I mean, like, where else can I begin? Like, there should there's no surprise. The whole, well, we got two contacts. Oh, it's four. Now it's five. You entered what is considered a hot zone. You're launching fighters as patrol. Any carrier group has uh, an a, AWACS. An AWACS. What's really called an AEW and C. Just it's AWACS is the the easier term to say. But they have a big radar dome carrying plane that's orbiting that can see anything for hundreds of miles. There is no mystery here. Mm-hmm. Well, and there should be no possible way that the that the mig should get behind in like a firing position no, you should always on, know where they are yeah, yeah. You, should, you should basically be put airborne with the knowledge of hey there's contacts 150 miles out mm-hmm. or, or whatever the range is and hollywood and iceman shoot aim 54s and shoot migs down or they just don't because they have to force a close combat because of rules of engagement yeah. but uh i mean there should be more fighters in the air any carrier that's there should in, be two there should be two squads basically so minimum any carrier that's in a war zone or any kind of zone of threat quote unquote has combat air patrol going they have planes in the air at all times because the easiest way to respond to a threat is you already have planes in the air yep so they just do it by routine it's just part of the day unless the weather is bad or whatever it's just part of the daily operation basically for yeah if it, the enterprise is sitting off the coast of california it's not running cap okay but like they're going into a hot zone. It's an acknowledged hot zone. The whole reason they're putting planes in the air is a hot zone. It's a hot yeah. zone. Uh, so I had some fun because the the supposed enemies, so for if you're not aware, the supposed enemies were supposed to be the North Koreans. Oh, really? That was the plan. 
But again, it's a propaganda movie. And at the time, the government was trying to normalize relations. And they basically said, hey, you can't do that. But that's why it's black with the, the red star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the plan. So then they had to pivot. So they just don't <laughs> tell you who these people are. Yeah. Yep. It's presumed Soviets because it's MiGs. But they're in the Indian Ocean. Yep. The Soviets yeah. just aren't there. Then they throw out the whole – I don't know why they chose. Something about the Middle East. Well, they so the plot line, and this is where it just gets hilarious. The plot line is the Enterprise was in the Mediterranean supporting operations over Libya, which is a real thing that happened. And there were actually aerial encounters that occurred there, uh, including F-14s shooting down MiGs. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's hot-footed to the Indian Ocean to help support this scenario. And now they fight the same planes. <laughs> That are operating uh, – the whole threat here is the Exocet missile. That So once they get within 100 miles of the stranded ship, they can fire these missiles and they're really, really good anti-ship missiles. That was one of the few successes the Argentinian military had in the Falklands War against the British was Exocet missiles. Yeah. The only problem is the only countries that operated MiGs and also operated the Exocet missile are – that are in this realm of the world is India or Indonesia. So we just had a whole movie <laughs> where the climax is we're fighting the Indian or Indonesian Air Force. What? <laughs> I just, there had to be a better, like, just keep, just let it still be the Libyans. Nobody was trying to normalize relations with uh, Gaddafi at the time. Just yeah. keep it in the Mediterranean. It's, and, and uh, I'll uh, also add two, um, two notes here. Uh, I know I mentioned it earlier, but the the MiG twenty eight doesn't actually exist. Right, it is a um, they're basically odd numbers for real ones. So there's a MiG twenty seven and a MiG twenty nine. Mm-hmm. MiG twenty eight just didn't exist. So they just made it up, um, and they are F fives in right. the in the film. They're just painted black with a, with a red star. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, um, there's a couple scenes where um, uh, the Rio is looking at uh, some kind of radar screen, but it's not actually the radar screen that is in an F-14 because it was, uh, the F-14 only has a, a conical radar that mm-hmm. just goes front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't do like a full 300. They had, they had the whole 360. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've been bashing. They have there's so many in action. I could go on for a long time. <laughs> this would be a two hour I'm gonna podcast. Extend, just I'm going to extend. <laughs> mad about planes. <laughs> I'm going to extend the olive branch just because it's kind of funny because, you know, this movie made the F-14 what it is, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it's an iconic. I think you'll find aviation engineers made the F-14 what it is. Oh, you hush. <laughs> it the, made it the, popular. Right. The American conception. Like yeah. The, the yeah. idea of what is, you know, military might. You know, the F-14 just right up on the top of the list, right? Mm-hmm. So the bit in training that, you know, that kills Goose, right? Where Iceman breaks off, they hit the jet wash, and they have the flame outs, right? Yep. That is the most accurate thing they do. So the F-14A, the initial version of it, had terrible, terrible engines. Yep. And actually caused something like 40 plus crashes, including killing the first female fighter pilot aviator for the Navy. Oh, wow. I didn't know yeah, that. Because at it, the, the engine literally stalled, it stalls itself. Okay. <laughs> So it's such a poor design that, especially at low speeds, like when you're trying to land on a carrier, if <laughs> perhaps you, in case that situation were to ever arise, these things that it's supposed to do, if you at the low speeds 
if you let the nose pitch to or not pitch, but yaw, I'm never good with these terms. But basically, if you turn too hard to the left or too hard to the right, the nose blocks the air intake of the other engine and it flames out. (laughs) And now because you have two engines and only one is running, you now have asymmetric thrust and you put yourself into a spin. Yeah. In the direction you were already going. Yeah. Yeah. You're just committed at that point. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a really bad. It, it, I guess I shouldn't say it's a bad design. It's just the the piece of engineering they put behind it was not good, and mm-hmm. it was corrected. It just took a really long time, and they just the pilots just kind of compensated for the fact that you can't swing your nose too far too quickly at low speeds, and you also uh, can't go into or enter high angle of attack. So basically, where your nose is pointed up. Uh, so this is really visual and it's going to help you all and nobody else. If a plane is moving straight forward flying level and then you pitch the nose up, right? You don't immediately go straight up at that angle. Mm-hmm. You continue forward. Your momentum continues forward. Yeah. So whatever the difference is between that momentum and your nose is the angle of attack. Wh- so which, is, which is how he does the... Um, the, the Cobra hit, maneuver. Yeah, the Cobra maneuver. Yeah. Hit the brakes, all fly right by. Which, which is exactly what causes the engines to flame out. <laughs> well, so th- that, that is technically an intentional stall though. Yes. Yeah. But you do risk the fact that those engines don't actually don't don't actually turn come back, back for it. It is yeah. a very risky maneuver in an F fourteen, right? And I mean, that's again Maverick, right? It's one of the things they yeah. harp on. Uh, but yeah, no, the actual stall and spin and failed ejection is the most accurate thing they do in the movies. Oh yeah, especially like what you were saying earlier about how if you have forward momentum and you you pop the canopy for ejection, then the canopy just. Flies yeah, off flies behind off. you. Physics, physics saves you. Yeah. Right. But if you're, but if you're, you're more or less in a stop other, other than just having your spin, then the canopy is just, it's just right there. And, and, and so, you can hit it. Yeah. And so like ejecting into the canopy as happened in the film is a real danger. Right. And they, they actually had, because again, the F-14 had issues where it would stall and put itself <laughs> into a spin. They had people who ejected and they brushed the canopy. Mm-hmm. So like that was a real risk that was going on with, for the actual real aviators. Yeah. Um, Okay, so um, we're going to move on to the entertainment, Mm -hmm. which um, we can give our scores. I think we've kind of already talked a little bit. We can talk a little bit more, but um, we should talk about what we think and what we hope and our dreams and thoughts are going to be with the new film, Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I talked a lot. Um, I gave entertainment a nine. Okay. I have wow. I have seen this film so many times, and despite all of the terrible, <laughs> terrible plot elements and just reused footage, I don't care. I'm still a ten year old at heart, and I love seeing F-14s fly, mm-hmm. and especially to to danger zone and you know get you dun, know electric dun, guitars. Dun, I mean, dun, yeah, dun, 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 dun. you can't. I mean. It's still just one of my favorite films, mm-hmm. uh, despite just it being terrible. <laughs> All right, fair enough, Joel. Uh, well, I give it a six. Okay, um, you know, it's, it's decently entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. I came away from it not really wanting to see it again, and I think a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of that comes from a miss in if they had absolutely nailed the fighter combat visuals Mm -hmm. consistently throughout the film, Mm -hmm. then it would be a much more enticing film to come back to just to feel that adrenaline rush again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But that just wasn't there for a large swath of the film. And so it doesn't have that nice, pretty 
space to paint over the shortcomings. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's totally fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steven. Okay. So I, I'm going to, pre- there's a preface here. <laughs> all right. Cause we talked about my surface area. Yeah. On this. <laughs> so as a kid, my family went to DC for a, a long road trip and on the way back, because my dad, my dad loves Top Gun. Mm-hmm. We stopped by Norfolk where carriers dock. Yeah. And so for anyone in the post 9-11 world, this is very, very pre-9. This is before the Gulf War. So we basically stood at a chain link fence and stared at the Teddy Roosevelt mm-hmm. carrier. And while we stood there, an instant walked by and was like, do y'all want to see it? Oh, God. Oh, wow. I'm so jealous. He took us through the entire carrier. And literally it was just, hey, there's some places where you can't take photos. My sister and I sat in the captain's chair what? on the oh bridge. My gosh. Yeah. So like when they play Highway to the Danger Zone and this thing is, it's a road. It looks like a road. It is yeah. so ridiculously long. We were on the flight deck while it's just, you know, at dock and they brought F-14s up the elevator. Oh man. And the dude boosted me up. I got to sit in the cockpit wow. as like a at seven. Like I peaked when I was like seven or eight. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to go this out of the way. <laughs> uh, so I'm just saying all of that for how much service area I have in this. Gave it a six. Mm, that's so unfair. It's it's tough. And I, I watched this a lot when I was a kid. And as an adult, it's just hard to watch. The, the oh, love story is just, it's really, really difficult to watch as an adult. And it's just not good. Uh, you know, the they just didn't, if like Joel said, if they had really sold out and nailed down all the aerial footage. And I even, some of the shots, I give them credit for the, because y'all were kind of talking like, oh, you know, if the technology existed where they could show more of the fight. And I kind of appreciate that it's kind of limited because part of the danger is just, well, the pilots are trying to locate the the MiG and where is it? And mm-hmm. like that, that actually heightens the tension, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't need that. I just don't need to see the same acrobatic maneuver twice yeah. Yeah. for no reason. Yeah. And, and just stuff like that just kind of kills it. And I, I totally get it. Let's, that is absolutely acceptable. It is not a good film. Yeah. I mean, it, we've made this reference, I think, in, in the past. You know, there there are some scenes that, you know, when I want them, YouTube is there. Yep. And I and can I can slap on, you know, Danger Zone <laughs> on the, the highway and that, that's all I really need out of it. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So Top Gun Maverick is um, already out by the time you, the listener, hears this. Um, Not by the time we are speaking these words, however. Yes, so we are recording this right now um, before the movie has come out. Now, now, not then, now, when you're listening to us. Correct. Uh, so what are your thoughts, hopes, dreams, um, and things? Okay, I'll go ahead and take this Yeah, go yeah, go ahead. Uh, my main hope for the film is leaning into the the effects, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've seen what can be done with CGI to make grand battles with the, the Avengers series and, and all this kind of stuff. Like it's, it's commonplace. Yeah. Right. At this point in big budget blockbuster films. And so something like jet fighter combat has a lot of very specific stylized sort of spectacle that you can utilize current effects technology to really maximize. Yeah. And and that's really the biggest thing that I hope to get out of this. The, from the trailer, it's clear that they're going to uh, retread on... Um, the training aspect. Right. I mean, he's he's going to be a, a, a trainer and there's going to be these other pilots and they're like, oh, who's going to train us? And, oh, no, it's Maverick. Oh, man, he's so cool. And... <laughs> 
but but one of the people is going to be Goose's kid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because there's there's a thing in the trailer of like, yeah, well, my father trusted you, and I'm not gonna make the same mistake. And, uh, and you're not uh, you're not selling this right now. Just, just go ahead well, I don't there. think the trailer sold it, so <laughs> uh, I, I have some qualms. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some some worries perhaps about them nostalgia baiting perhaps and right. not not writing a fresh story, but instead trying to retread as much as possible in order to mm-hmm. do what they think the audience wants and just give them the same thing again. Um, and so I hope to avoid that as much as possible while taking advantage of modern um, filming effects. techniques and yeah. effects. Yeah, Stephen. I mean, you know, let's uh, let's get a, a a long, cohesive sequence of aerial combat that doesn't reuse footage, <laughs> and I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be that definitely be a step up. Yeah, I you know I haven't actually watched the the trailer. I think Andrew, you sent us something that was kind of a little bit of a behind the scenes movie, mm-hmm. and you know the shots from that look great. So I know on the show when we did Mandalorian. No, I'm sorry. Book of Boba Fett. Oh God, don't say that. Actually, that was that was not an intentional <laughs> slip either. But the bits where he was, you know, flying felt very Top Gun, mm-hmm. and some of the behind the scenes stuff that you showed, it felt like they were kind of working some of the same camera angles of like the big bubble cockpit, and they're mm-hmm. looking up at the pilot, and you do the big roll. Yeah, give me a lot of that, please. You know, we're gonna bring back Goose's kid, and he's maybe he's there to you know redeem his father or to prove that Maverick's a hack. There's nothing or to redeem. Whatever. Goose was awesome. He, he was, but he did die. So you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you would if you would really fell off them, he wouldn't have died. He would he would, he would have shattered the canopy, <laughs> not the other way around. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they can find some emotional weight there. Hopefully, there's more depth or interest that maybe we just won't have a love story that'd be pretty sweet but mostly just get the fighters off you know it'd be interesting to kind of see top gun with f-18s yeah because you know you know top gun just means f-14s to most people they do have some clips where he's flying you know the the relic the antique yeah which will i guess i don't know how they're gonna build that in but whatever we'll see so yeah i just get the planes up let's fly them around give me some good footage and that's in a killer soundtrack and just don't put a love story, please. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the thing that I'm scared the most for is the soundtrack because, like, I feel that that is basically the only thing that was that's really holding this film up. Okay. Um, besides just some some of the general um, uh, for the original Top Gun, just you know, some of the aerial photography mm-hmm. or footage, but um, the new one, we are not in the '80s anymore. Yep. And I worry that either they're going to use '80s songs. And it is going to feel it's completely feel so out of place. Feel really out of place. place. Or they're going to just use some generic kind of just like any other action movie soundtrack, which mm-hmm. is also worrisome. Um, so I really hope that there's something that they are that they're bringing back in that that'll make it interesting. Please, someone who has a spark of genius, do this thing. Yes, kind seriously. of thing. Um, yeah. They've had years to marinate on this <laughs> yeah. at this point. Um, now I will touch on the fact that you know because I know you said like. CGI effects and everything like this for for technology well, uh, and, for and, effects and and really I'm not talking about constructing entire sequences out of mm-hmm. CGI. It's just like I want to be able to see the arc of a missile from like the viewpoint of the camera yeah. under the wing of the attacking plane 
see the missile arc out with the vapor trail and make the curve and it'd make yeah. the curve impact the the target plane watch the target plane explode and crumble without shifting camera pov mm-hmm. right like that's the kind of thing where you can get most of that is raw footage and mm-hmm. then you just you just spruce it up. You put a little lipstick oh. and makeup yeah. on there, and you're or, good or, to go. So <laughs> you have the shot where the missile hits and the plane becomes you know a debris cloud, and then the, the camera stays on the underside, and the F14 or the F14 F18 banks, and you fly past the debris cloud. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, 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 come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So the um, so the cool thing about uh, one just Tom Cruise in general um, is he likes to do all of his own stunts. He yep. unfortunately did not want he couldn't do his own stunts back in the original Top Gun. Mm-hmm. Um, he did do them in this one so like he got a he got a, a pilot certification for jet fighters he yes. had a pilot certification yes ah. um yeah so he like him and the general um cast that are that are the pilots are actually like in the jets wow like flying now now the f-18 super hornet is a two-fighter two-seater well mm-hmm. there, there are two-seater versions they, yeah so yeah. I, we are not sh- i'm not sure if they're the ones that are directly controlling the planes um, right, right but they are definitely in the cockpits doing the g's doing all these kind of maneuvers and everything mm, like yeah. that in the new film yeah which, I, I sincerely doubt they let them fly them but I, the, the concept I, that they're in the cockpit and the i know that tom cruise actually flew yeah, he's like, he's like flown direct, yeah, yeah, directly flew one. Now the the other other characters maybe not. I don't know. Right. Uh, but the the concept like what you had in the behind the scenes mm-hmm. again that you shared with us, where you know the the actor has to actually kind of set the cameras in the cockpit and it's kind of their own director. I think that's going to be really interesting because it's all about like again, Cruz is willing to sell. He has kind of the the same mentality as Jackie Chan mm-hmm. of we're going to do it again until I think it's perfect. You know, he yeah. mentioned impossible. He was on the side of the plane for like eight takes or whatever. Yeah. Like he's, he's willing to do it over and over. So I imagine that that's definitely going to help his side of things. I'm not sure. I'm curious to see if that mentality is kind of, you know, propagated throughout the mm-hmm. pool or if they're just, you know, getting their shots and, getting it done yeah. kind of thing we'll, we'll find out yeah so i i hope that they really take a lot of those those kind of liberties and add in you know clearly like the shots that i've seen just from the trailers and everything do look substantially better than what mm-hmm. what we got in the original top gun mainly just because of technology and you can compact a camera a whole lot more yeah. mm-hmm. and you yeah. can fit 20 of them on a plane at any given time and mm-hmm. not really impact its air i mean can you? Ima- I still can't imagine the concept of this massive camera that had to be strapped to an F-14 <laughs> and what it could do to the air dynamics. Yeah. yeah, so there's there's definitely all of that. Um, but yeah, I really worry for the music of the film because that is definitely one of the most iconic parts of mm-hmm. Top Gun in general. And that is, it's definitely one of those things where it probably wouldn't, you couldn't make this, the same film now and it would fly just because you don't have that 80s powerhouse soundtrack behind it. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're probably not like you've brought this up now to concern because they're not going to go out and presumably create all new music for this. Mm-hmm. Well, then if you slap 80s in, it's going to be weird for like, mm-hmm. you know, F-18s and young, <laughs> young modern actors yeah. zipping around. Well, then you just pick up whatever you find from modern music. Well, that's going to be kind of weird just to jam that into a top gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that mm, I don't know. It'll there's risk. It, it there. is worrisome. Yeah, there's well, again, it was the highlight of the film for the most part so there's a lot of room to come down there's yep. not necessarily a lot of room to improve mm-hmm. so definitely a concern but at this point we will have seen 
<laughs> and you will know. <laughs> but that is all the time we have for this episode. So until next time, I'm Stephen. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joel. And as always, every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. We also have a Discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.